Hi everyone. I am super excited for you all to listen to my podcast. However, I wanted to let everyone know we do discuss sensitive topics in this episode like depression and suicide. Mental illness is a serious topic and I am hoping with each story a life is changed. Welcome to the first episode of You're Not Alone. My name is Danielle and I am your host and I am so freaking excited to have such a good friend with me as my first guest. Oh my goodness, she is truly a delight. Her name is Kayla. She's a former teacher. She is currently studying to get her master's degree in social work. She is the type of person who, if the world knocks her down, she will get back up again. She will stand with you in the midst of your storm. She will laugh with you. She will drive with you. She will go get ice cream with y'all. And she is lactose intolerant, y'all. But she will go get ice cream with you. Which really tells you about her friendship level. Because she is willing to suffer through her stomach to make you happy. So without further ado, I just want to introduce my friend Kayla. Kayla, say what's up to the listeners. Hi, everyone. I'm Kayla. I'm so excited to be here. I am just so excited to be here. I mean, I've been telling Danielle that it's so great for her and everything that she's doing with You're Not Alone, um, and that it's just something that I want to be a part of, so I'm so honored. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I had a good day. I went hiking, very easy hike. I'm glad that I got to be in the nature just a little bit, just a little taste of nature, not too much. Yeah, because we enjoy nature, but we don't dive too deep into nature. We are the type of people who will go hiking, but like we're not going to go camping. Yeah. Because that's like being put out. I think I heard a comedian say that. But listen, I went camping Ooh. once for my friend's birthday and she's a very close friend, very close friend. And the amount of bug bites, I haven't been camping since. It is disrespectful, to be honest. I think I went to stay in a Boy Scout cabin during a retreat. And yeah, I got attacked too. Hold up, Boy Scout? Yeah, we went to a Boy Scout cabin for the retreat. Oh, okay. Come on, so in the rest of the place, (laughs) we went to a Boy Scout cabin for a retreat. Okay. But it was like our whole um, organization I was part of went camping. But it was ridiculous. Like, I was sleeping in a cabin. There was a frog in the toilet. The water was murky. I showered way more there than I did when I was back at home because I was so disgusted. Mm. But I didn't like it. I'm not. I'm not with the bugs. I'm not with the. No. I don't think it's just. It's just not my cup of tea. No, not at all. I'm more of a cabin type. Love a good view. Love a good view. Yes. Can't deny. Can't deny a good view. The bugs and the bug bites and the humidity and the fear of bears <laughs> and snakes and spiders. But I, you know, that's you know, it is what it is. Yes, so um, besides that traumatic experience that we have talked about, <laughs> how is everything else affecting you? And when I mean everything else, I am talking about COVID, mm. Black Lives Matter, unemployment, Ugh. Uh, just being home. How are you doing? So I'm doing good now. If you would have asked me when everything first happened, I would have been just okay. And that's an answer that I often give people a lot of the times is, I'm okay or I'm just okay. But in terms of COVID, you know, my family's lucky nobody has had COVID at all. Nobody's been in the hospital, nobody's been sick or anything like that. Um, So we've all been healthy and we're really happy about that. But the time that we've had to reconnect and think about what's important, 
has been very good for me specifically in my life. And I've gotten very close to, because I can't go anywhere, (laughs) I've been very close with, I've gotten closer to my parents and really been able to just find out things about them that I didn't know. Um, So that's been really good. Um, In terms of Black Lives Matter, it's caused me to think about how much I have ignored things and think about how blind I was to a lot of things. And getting on social media can be very traumatic right now for a lot of people. And I chose and I'm still choosing to do what I can as much as I can and understand there's only so much that's in my that is in my control. For a lot of us, we have been home for 90 plus days. Yes. And with those 90 plus days, there has been many different seasons. But I also know that from our conversations offline that you went through a breakup during this time. And I just want to know how has that been affecting you? Because that's something very serious to go through. And you went through it at the very beginning of COVID. Yeah, I did go through a breakup. I realized that I focused so much on the relationship and not on myself. And it's crazy to look back and think about when me and my ex first met, how I had no real identity, I had no real goals or targets or anything really going on in my life. My main goal was to just have a boyfriend. Hmm. And of course, as you spend years with somebody, you grow to love them and love their family, but there was always something missing. Hmm. And it took me talking to my therapist, talking to friends to realize the thing that's really missing is my love for myself. And it really has nothing to do with this other person. It has to do with me. And I know people say, it's not you, it's me, like that corny thing. But the reality is, it was obviously a combination of a a lot of things, but that it truly stemmed from an issue I never addressed, which was loving myself. And that the danger of not loving yourself, it ripples into all areas of your life and can really tear things down and you don't know how to communicate and it can make a lot of areas of life more difficult because you don't even know how to communicate what you need because you don't even know what you need. You, what you saying that loving yourself was the major issue that you had realized in your relationship. So did you know yourself during that time? No. I did not know myself. I don't think I had even an idea. So I have always struggled with self-esteem and who I see in the mirror. And as you grow up, you know, people say things to you. And there are people like me who hear them, internalize them, fixate on them. And then that becomes what that they see in the mirror. And it takes and has taken me so long to come back from the things that people have said so long ago because it just became a reality to me. Wow, like, that's so good. And I wish more of us actually loved ourselves and valued ourselves. The issue is, I don't, I wish that too, but I also understand not a lot of people are taught how to. Yeah, you're right. From a young age, they tell us to dream big. But as we get older, it becomes a thing of, no, don't dream that big. You can't do that. You can't get into this job. You can't make it here. 
We start counting ourselves out before the game even starts. We start saying, what if I fail and never what if I succeed? So because of just younger things that people have made said to us and rejection that we may have faced from school or, you know, that person told you they didn't like you and, or they told you you were ugly, whatever that case may have been, those have been deep wounds that have dug up in our heart in such a way that it's made it hard for us to love ourselves. Completely. And I agree. It's some of those wounds that you're talking about are things that through this time in journaling, I've been able to go back and write about the things I knew hurt me, but didn't have the hindsight to understand why it hurt me so much and what I can do to work through it. And a lot of the things that people said stuck with me mm-hmm. as it does with a lot of people. And I'm the type of person where somebody says something, I hear it, internalize it, fixate it. And then that's the way that I view myself. And it's taken a lot of hard work to not do that anymore, but it's daily work every single day. But how do you do that work if nobody ever teaches you how? Like, it's so hard. And it was definitely difficult when I was a teacher. I taught health. And I had amazing lessons that were curated by my content specialist. But I had so much trouble following the curriculum, but also giving it to the kids in a way where they're going to internalize it and know how to practice it in real life. And that was so frustrating for me because it was like, you know, her PowerPoints were amazing and everything. And when I watched her teach, I was like, wow, the kids are really, they're really getting it. But for me, when I taught, I feel like I don't think I'm delivering it in the same way. So it's so much a combination of influence and who you really have around you. And if you think about it, a lot of our parents and older people that we know they weren't taught so then they didn't know how to teach us and now we're having to teach ourselves because of trauma yeah there are things that you know our parents have said to us and my parents specifically that have put deep wounds into me you know and it's to the point where I've had to have conversations going back with like just saying hey I didn't like how you said that to me because when you say this it makes me feel this way Mm. and it's so weird to have to rework something because they're just doing the best that they can do. But in there doing the best and wanting the best for us and wanting us to have more than they, what they can and touching the sky, basically, because that's what all parents want for their kids. Yeah. That in that process, they don't realize how much it begins to hinder us because with them having goals and aspirations for us, it makes us feel like we have to be perfect. And perfection is an, is an illusion. It totally is. And not just them wanting us to kind of reach those milestones and those marks, then we ourselves feel like, well, if I don't reach them, if I don't do that, then what does that mean about me? Yeah. Am I worthy? Am I valuable if I can't get an A on that test? Am I valuable? Am I worthy if I can't get into that school? And that was something that really was hard for me in high school and, and in college. Yeah, you said worthy. I remember... And it sounds so crazy now, thinking about it. I remember being in college my freshman year, freaking out because I got a 3.14. Because I felt like I let my parents down. Mm. A three. Who even says that? That I'm upset because I got this GPA? A lot of people. I, but it makes no sense because ultimately at the end of the day, as crazy as it sounds... We all get the same piece of paper at the end of the day. Yeah. So we're putting so much emphasis on things that really, they matter, but not to the scope that we put them or project them to matter. And 
it's just like it's wild because I literally tear up sometimes watching these videos of these kids being like I'm beautiful I'm smart and watching that little video you know that video that was circulating with the little girl who said she was ugly when a hairdresser was doing uh, her hair I feel her though I feel her pain why do you feel that way the reality is growing up as a black child, your hair doesn't look like everybody else's hair. I remember talking to my mom recently and telling her I used to go to bed at night and pray that I would wake up look like my Bratz doll. <laughs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I think it was more just the illusion of if I don't have long hair, then I'm not pretty. And that's still something that I, to this day, struggle with and mm -hmm. have to be a constant reminder to are not your hair. But I've had hairstylists, even when I got my hair done recently, your hair is so short. Yeah. Your hair is so short. I once had a hairstylist who refused to do my hair, literally looked disgusted, was like, I don't want to do her hair, her hair is too short. And as a young girl, I'm getting, I got my hair done, that was before homecoming. I'm walking into homecoming, insecurity on top of insecurity and just yeah. hurt on top of hurt. I just want to say for you guys, if you have young kids around you, like little brothers, younger siblings, or even just friends, really do encourage them. Speak up. If you see something good inside of them, if you think they're pretty, and I know I have to do stuff like this too. I have to stop internalizing it and say it out loud to people. Like, I know that you're a good person. Let me let you know. I'm so proud of you. I love your hair. You are so smart. Whatever somebody is excelling at or just being themselves, encourage them and speak up about it because by you pointing out something inside of them, you are building their self-esteem. And it's that storehouse of compliments that we go back to when somebody is coming against our character, when somebody's putting you down and saying, you know, you're worthless, you're not pretty, you're not even this stuff. Mm. You go back into the storehouse and you're like, but this person said I was. And well, this is what they say. And ultimately too, it's kind of underneath that underlying root of, if you know what God says about you, then you're less likely to succumb to the pressures of the world when the world says something else about you. So if God said, I made you in my image, then you know I'm perfect, regardless of what somebody else says. If God says, I chose you, which is what he did for us, then when people reject us, it's okay, because he chose me. And like, what better idea is it to have somebody who created the whole world say, I made you? Because human nature, we're fickle, we're always going to fall short, but it's when we begin to see that lens, it makes it a little bit easier. It's not, it's not going to completely eradicate the problem at all, but it does make the attacks a little bit easier to fight against when they come. No, you're totally right. And that it's like having that storehouse of knowing that you have those affirmations, you've heard those positive things. But for a lot of people, if somebody said I was ugly in middle school, I thought I was ugly. Yeah. So it's just reiterating, oh, no, I'm right to think that about myself. Mm -hmm. So you're totally right. It's so important. And, you know, me and my, me and my um, sister with my nieces, we just talk so much about, like, building them up and, like, starting it so young so that they can be encouraged and that can become a part of who they are. And, yes, they're going to have their own struggles, but knowing that we're doing all we can to encourage them and to encourage all the other people, all the other young kids and other people around us that there are so many things to love about yourself and there are so many things other people love about you. Oh, yeah. So, if you could tell yourself anything 10 years ago, what would it be? I would tell myself, don't believe what people say about you 
they're wrong because most of the time, which obviously takes a lot of years of life for some people to realize this, a majority of the time when people are talking bad about you, they're projecting things that they don't like about themselves or they're they're trying to highlight things about you so that it can distract others from the th- flaws that they don't like about themselves. And I'm guilty of it. So many people are guilty of it and you grow out of it and you can recognize that within yourself, but understanding the real intent behind people trying to tear you down helps tremendously with confidence. And I also would tell myself that everything's going to be okay. I struggled a lot towards the end of middle school, a lot in high school, and a lot in college with depression and anxiety and thinking that things weren't going to be okay and that I was never going to feel better. And just being where I am now, I would have never imagined that I would be in this place and to just go back and tell myself, hang on, things will get better. I love that. Whenever I think of that question, I say the same thing. And regardless of what you go through, you're still standing here. And I am so happy that you are still here. I am so happy that you are still pursuing and dreaming and doing the crazy things because you're going to make a change in the world one day. Thank you. So nice of you. (laughs) Yes. Accepting compliments is also something that everybody (laughs) needs to work on. You deserve to hear good things said about yourself. No, yeah. Well, since the podcast is called You're Not Alone. Yeah. And... I don't want to let us get off without having this conversation as well, because I feel like it would be a disservice to everybody listening. What has been the toughest obstacle you have had to overcome in your life thus far? The toughest obstacle I've had to overcome in my life so far, I'd say it's not one. It's it's broad, but there's a lot of different levels to it. So... Like I said, I struggle with depression, struggle with anxiety, and for a lot of people, it's hard. Every single day, it's hard. Yes, I'm in a season right now where things are great, and I look at a lot of areas of my life, and I'm just like, wow, like, how how could I have those previous suicidal thoughts when I was younger, and just being so depressed but when you're in that moment I understand for a lot of people you don't really see a way out you're like blinded by the darkness and almost in a way addicted to the sadness because it's so much easier to have your mind go negative than to fight to go positive but yeah that was probably the not even probably it was definitely was the toughest obstacle in my life and Just like I talked about with my breakup, if you don't address things, it ripples. So in high school, you know, my depression destroyed friendships and me and my family and just was just super hard. And then when I get to college, I think, oh, well, I'm in this new environment. Everything's going to be better. Didn't matter what campus I was at, first school, community college, you know, going to school I graduated from um, and transferring there, it it, it never went away. And my first semester at WVU was definitely the hardest because I was so thrown out of my comfort zone and wasn't even ready to go away when I transferred, but I had been in college for so long, it was like, figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. Or that's at least the pressure I was getting from other people was, figure it out, pick a major, finish. How are you not done yet? How are mm-hmm. you not in that place? 
So I have all that pressure. I go away to school. Everybody up there is having fun, or at least so it seemed. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's partying. Everybody's doing this. And I'm a transfer. I only know, like, three people. I'm very Mm -hmm. nervous. I'm homesick. I'm extremely depressed. And now I've thrown myself into a new environment. I stopped taking my medication. And that was definitely not a great decision. But I ended up throwing myself into a spiral where... I was sleeping all day, staying up all night, and missing classes to the point where my all my all of my grades have gotten so bad. My parents didn't even realize I my I don't think my friends at, on campus even realized that I wasn't really going to class, and I was just sleeping all day. And it ended up where it was midterms, and I was like, so how am I how am I going to get this up? So I decided to take the night shift at my job. <laughs> work overnight the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift and that was the only way that I would make it to my 8 a.m. class because I would just walk to my apartment get my bag and go to class and I ended up getting every single grade up except for one and end up failing and of course your parents who and I was fortunate to have my parents pay for my school and um definitely such a gift but to them they're like hey, you're gonna fail a class like what a waste of money when they didn't even I don't think they even realized the true struggle that was going on with me being able to get all my other grades up. My grades were bad mm-hmm. and only ending up with one F, which is truly a miracle because they were bad and I was in such a bad place. So that was the, the toughest and just one hard situation among many. But it's crazy how much you find different things that you think will link you. Like I thought that job did help me was the only way that, all right, I'm already up. So let me just go to class, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people find comfort in work and motivation in work or other things. But the issue is still there. Yeah, no, I think it's funny how you talked about like mental illnesses and mental health, because I know, yes, I dealt with, you know, the test anxiety being in college, signing up for classes, those little small mundane things, but I didn't know how serious my mental health was being affected until I came home because I left an environment with people who I was doing life with, I was running this race with, I was having fun, like how you said, like you're supposed to have fun, to come home and to realize in the world's eyes you're a failure was one of the most detrimental things to me in that moment because I came home yes I graduated with honors I said goodbye to my friends I wasn't really didn't really plan to come home but still came home anyway but in the midst of it I got super depressed I returned to a job that I said I would never go back to I picked up another part-time job to I was getting rejected after rejected after rejected from jobs my friends were gone And I was all alone. And I spent so much time laying on my floor and just crying out to God, being like, where are you? You said you'll never leave me or forsake me. I'm right here and I do not like it. And it was for months I was just in this pit of just despair because in my mind I failed, not realizing that he was using that to elevate me because before I left school, being part of an organization and, you know, just having friends and all this other stuff, I realized that I felt a pulling on the organization. Like I had to do more and had to be somebody that I knew I was not in a sense. 
And so I prayed. I was like, yeah, you know, God, I would be great if I just, I go somewhere I'm not known so I can have a restart. And Lord, did he definitely took me home. He was like, here's your restart. But it was in the restarting, I had to recenter myself and realign myself with him and him being like, like I said before, who are you? But mental health is still such a stigma and like, especially in a black community too, of like admitting that I don't feel right right now. I feel, I think I'm depressed. I think I have to talk to somebody and we don't allude to any of that stuff. But you did mention the fact of, you know, you were sleeping all the time and you said you were taking your med, you stopped taking your medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you start feeling like those suicidal thoughts started populating in your head? Yes, I definitely did. And it was, and it's pretty key that high school, I had friends who highlighted, defined depression for me. I didn't even know it was. And had that community around me of people who really cared about me and were like, I, you know, something's off with you. And I didn't, I couldn't name it. Mm -hmm. So they named it for me. Then I go to college and again, thrown into an environment where, again, not a lot of people know me much like you, you you know? So it was harder to come and talk to anyone about it because they didn't really, you're trying to bring them in on the back end. They're like, what, Mm -hmm. what, what? And although, you know, some of the people that I met my first year at WVU are still my closest friends today, I don't know if the first semester I met them, they would have understood anything that was going on. But yeah, I definitely did have those thoughts, much like a lot of other people do. And fortunately, I never acted on them. But not that's not everybody's story, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to have those people around you. You know, one of my friends is always quick to say, hey, something's off with you. This mm-hmm. is like the fourth week in a row I've talked to you and you sound lower, mm-hmm. very low, scary low. So I want you to figure out, you know, I know you're not in college anymore. You can't see your old college therapist, but who, who can you find? How can we get you help? Mm-hmm. And the importance of having people around you for those moments when you feel low, who you can be open with. And it's hard to open up to people, but people want to help. Yeah. People care about you. People want you to be around for things. And there's so many moments, whether it's with my nieces acting crazy or with my friends just having fun and laughing or getting to do anything where I'm like, wow, like, thank God I'm still here. And I'm it, that's my story, but a lot of people, it's not their story and they're not still here. And yeah. so we do really have to break that stigma and do all that we can to share our stories and let people know as much as I felt alone in my moments, as much as you felt alone in your moments, like when you were going through your moment, we were probably going through the same moment, didn't even realize it because yeah. we weren't as close. Yeah. Like that's what's so crazy. And now here we are talking about it and just the importance of being able to share your story so people know you're, you're just like this everything that you're doing you're not alone you're truly not alone and people want here yeah so because of that how would you encourage somebody right now if you knew that they were facing the same thing that you had previously went through because I keep saying the goal is to leave the path brighter than when you once found it so that they do not trip over the same stumbling box that you did I mean they can still do it because we just turn on the light it's your decision to walk down the path. Yeah. But what would you say to somebody right now 
if you knew they were suffering through the same things that you went through? I think that I would say figure out what's important to you Mm -hmm. and what brings you joy. And it's hard when you're in those dark moments to figure out what brings you joy and what makes you happy and what can just keep you hanging on just a little bit more, whether it's a friend, whether it's TV show, movie, whatever. Figure out what it is that can help you cling on to that joy. And another thing is understand that nobody else can fix this for you. I used to look at guys to fix it in terms of just, you know, pleading with them, like, please be my boyfriend, like ridiculous. And pleading with my friends who didn't understand or pleading with just people who don't really know how to handle the situation. If somebody is willing to help you and does care about you, open up to them and ask them to help you find resources. Cause I didn't have that when I was in high school and I'm just lucky to have that when I was in college. And there's nothing wrong with getting help. I wouldn't be here today without God and therapy and the community around me. I truly wouldn't be. And there's so much importance in recognizing the resources that are around you. And it's so hard. But if somebody is around you that can help you, open up to them. And I guarantee they'll do all that they can to help you. But you also have to realize you have to help yourself. Yeah. You can have Jesus and a therapist. It is okay. But no, definitely, definitely reach out to people. He's already said it, but you are so loved. You are so cared for. You are valued. The world would not be the same without you. And I really want you guys to realize that you are such a blessing to so many people around you, whether you realize it or not, but you are changing the world one step at a time. And life is a crazy roller coaster ride. We don't get to decide to get on the ride. We were strapped in the moment that we were born. But we can choose to either hold everything so tight in our fists where we're like, we don't enjoy it or let go and let the breeze hit us and scream and laugh and joke. But it's going to be a ride that we're on until the moment we die. And I don't want us to take a single moment for granted because life is worth living and there's so much more of it ahead of us. Yes, we may, you may be listening to this and you may think I'm 40 years old. What, what more life do I have? But you have so much more ahead of you. You can still achieve so much more. You can still go after so much more. So don't let your life be defined by a mistake in your past or an obstacle that you had to go around. But instead, let your life be enhanced because of it. We are broken pieces that he is using to make into a masterpiece. So every scar, every wound, every just thing that we don't like about ourselves, he is using to better the world and for us to just shine light letting people know that it's going to be okay. So this has been Danielle with You're Not Alone. Kayla, I'm so happy that you decided to do this, to give up your time, because I cannot think of a better person, honestly, to have a hard-hitting conversation with. Thank you. I am so happy that you had me on, and I'm excited for everything that's going to come. So until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. end of the first podcast and honestly I have no words for the conversation that was just had but I do want to leave you guys with 
If you are struggling, please reach out to somebody, a loved one, a peer, or the suicide helpline because they are always there willing to help you. And remember, you are loved, you are valued, you are not alone. So until next time, bye.